This morning, I got a message that fits real well with what God's been doing. Can you guys still feel the heaviness of the Lord in this room? Yeah. Isn't it good being in his presence? It's still here. I got a message. I want to be talking about the condition of our hearts. And as I was doing my research, I was reminded of a book that I read a number of years ago in which Bill Frist, a cardiologist, he, he has done um, over 150 heart transplants. And he talks about the heart transplant, but he doesn't only talk in medical terms. He talks in reverent terms. He talks about the, the moment when the heart has been grafted into the body and all the surgical team can do is just sit there and wait and watch to see if the, if the body will receive the heart, if the body will start pumping. And he talks about it in these spiritual terms because he says that in those moments, they're not just physical moments, they're spiritual moments. They're not just simply measured by seconds. He says you could feel it deep within your soul. He talks about the heart in a completely different way. He says that the heart is one, uh, heart transplants are a marvel of modern medicine because the heart is something that medicine cannot fully explain. See, the heart is more. It does more than just pump five quarts of blood through 60,000 miles of veins in your body a day. It's even more than that. It be, it's, it's more than just beating 72 times a minute. How many of you guys wish it was 72 times a minute? Don't raise your hands. It does more then just beat 72 times a minute, 100,000 times a day, 3.6 million times a year, 2.5 billion times in your lifetime. It's more than that. It's more special than that. Just know that if you, if you wanted to, um, to match the amount of blood that your heart will pump through your body in a lifetime, you will have to turn your faucet on full blast for 45 years. My kids try doing that. They just leave that thing on. I walk in like... Why is the fridge open and the faucet on? It's more than that. Friss says, he says, the heart is more than that. It has a mind of its own. See, as he, as he would meet with these transplant recipients, he started finding out that these transplant recipients got way more than just a new organ. They started getting new desires, they started, getting, uh, started experiencing new tastes in food, in music, in art, in their hobbies. And through research, through studies have, have shown that the heart itself secretes a brain-like hormone. The heart actually has cellular memory. Now, what does that even mean, Neil? Let me give you some stories. So a, a lady, Claire, Claire, I always forget her last name, Sylvia. Claire Silva, Sylvia, she had a heart transplant. Before she did, you know, she was just, a, just normal. She, her favorite color was pink. She was pretty calm. She, her, her great uh, love was to eat clean. She really cared about eating clean. She didn't want to put junk food in her body, and there goes her heart. What a bummer, right? I mean, you guys know a Big Mac's a good thing sometimes, right? All of us need one every once in a while. She didn't, she just would never touch that food. No desire for that food. She wanted to stay clean and eat healthy. But some things happened. After she got her heart transplant really soon, she started having these different cravings. In fact, her love for the color pink started being shared with the love of the color green. She had this change of the, her favorite color in her life. All of a sudden, she started loving junk food. She had a, 
a love affair with chicken nuggets. I'm like, me too, right? She started loving chicken nuggets. She, she had this appetite for beer that was never in her. And, and she would dream these different dreams. She would always be dreaming about motorcycles. She wasn't necessarily adventurous. She had never thought about motorcycles, but she would dream about motorcycles. And, and later on, she gets a chance to meet with the family of the donor to say thank you. And she's telling her about these changes in her life and the family starts crying because the donor... His favorite color was green. He had a love affair with beer, chicken nuggets, and beer in that order. <laughs> and he, he, he loved motorcycles. Motorcycles were always a part of his life. In fact, that's what took him away was the motorcycle. Something happened. She took on some of the traits of the donor. Here's another one. I want to give you another story. I'll give you a, a, a quick one. There's this other guy. Uh, his name is William Sher Sheridan, and he was a retired caterer. That's what he did. He, he wasn't necessarily good. In fact, he was really bad at artistics. He, he couldn't draw. He's like me. I can draw two things. I can drive a really good wave and a butterfly go figure. I don't know why the butterfly, but my butterfly's on point. Okay, I will say that. But I could draw nothing else. And he was like that. He gets this heart transplant. And, and over the next number of months, he just develops this new love and ability to draw. To find, and he comes to find out that the very heart that he got was from an artist. And, and you can find these stories all over. One more, just for fun, okay? Uh, it is from a guy named Fred, formerly laid back, ch chill, easy, not very ambitious in life, not very enthusiastic, not very driven. He gets this heart transplant and his wife says it's like a, it's like a, a totally different um, uh, guy in, in, in the sense that he, he has ambition where he's never had ambition before. He's enthusiastic uh, where he's never been before. He's driven. It's, it's interesting to watch. And they meet the, the donors and the donors say that's exactly how Jim was. Jim was a type A personality driven all of his life. And, and, and even more humorous, I'll tell you, uh, he, um, in, in the intimate times with Fred, with the intimate times with his life, he would call out the name Sandra, which was not his wife's name. And so what do you think that Jim's, the, the donor's wife was named? No, it was Trish, so they got a divorce. But I'm just kidding, no. Yeah, it was. It was Sandra. And, and, and take these stories what you will. But I'll tell you this. Charles Sebrant, in, um, in his book, A Man After His Own Heart, um, little h, his own heart, not his own heart, he studied this and found out that transplant recipients don't just receive a new heart. Along with the heart, they receive a whole new, they receive whole new sensory responses, cravings, and habits. This is really interesting. The recipients carry with them traits of the donor. Do you guys hear that? And I love this because hasn't God all of history been in the business of transplanting hearts? And shouldn't the transplanted hearts carry traits of the donor? Isn't that an exciting thing? When we fully give our heart to God, when we fully allow the transplant heart of the Father to come onto it, we naturally carry traits of the donor. I want to read you some scriptures. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says this, and we're going to go back to this scripture in a little bit. It says, moreover, I will give you a new heart. Say new heart. new heart. 
He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This is what God has been doing all of history, taking hard hard stone hearts and giving us his heart. Jeremiah 24, seven says this, I will give them a heart to know me. As he does this transplant, not only do we get his heart, we get a heart and an ability to know him. We're no longer blinded by him. We see his movings around us. We're aware of him. What we were blind in before, we're no longer blind. Psalms 51.10 says, create in me a clean heart. Say, create in me a clean heart. This is what God does. He comes and he does heart transplants, not the physical ones, the spiritual ones, from hearts of rock focused on selfishness and what we can get to hearts of flesh that love God. When we fully take the heart transplants, we take on the memories and the traits and the desires of the donor. I wanna ask this question. Have you taken on the traits, the memories, the carrots, the characteristics, and the desires of your donor? Do you hear that? See, here's, here's the thing. Let, let me be real right now. Not all people, not all Christians have fully accepted the heart transplant. Some of us have, have accepted partial transplants. Isn't that true? We believe in God, we profess him with our lips, but we have not fully changed our lives. We have not fully let God's cravings become our cravings. We've held off different parts of our life from him. We, says you, we say, you can have this part, but don't touch this part. You can, in fact, just now I'm reminded of this guy that I'm, I'm gonna butcher the story, but because it just hit me. I think the Lord just reminded me of it. Uh, back in um, the medieval times, this, uh, this guy that uh, ran a whole army of people, you know, this is when they had swords to fight. They, I should get this story right. It just hit me, but I'm gonna give it to you anyway, okay? Because I already started it. He wanted to marry this, this um, person's, this nobleman's daughter. And he said, you can't marry. You guys have never been baptized. So he walks his entire army out to get baptized. All of them, him and his army, they walk out to be baptized. But before they go down, they pull up their swords and then they go underwater being baptized, but they keep their, their, their sword out because they're still gonna fight. And my point is some of us have done that. We've taken partial heart transplants and we've kept parts of our life outside. But when we take on the full transplant, we start to look more like him. So have you taken on the full transplant? But it's hard to even, it's hard to even be able to tell if we have until we ask ourselves the right questions. So I have some questions that I want to give to you, kind of like a litmus test for us to decide, do we carry the traits of the donor? So I want you to think about these things. Um, what does a fully transplanted heart look like? It looks like this, a heart that loves God above all other things, more than the desert, more than chicken nuggets, right? Above all other things, more than pleasure, entertainment, and fun. It's a heart that loves the things that the Lord loves. It's a heart that loves the lost. Let me ask you this right now. Does your heart love the lost? 
What happens when you see the lost? Because they're all around us. What does your heart feel? Does it feel love and compassion or does it feel nothing? What, what area, how fully have you taken on the Lord's transplant? It's a heart that is quick to overlook a wrong. It's a heart that says, I know what I want, but what does God want? Is this your heart or do you have more work with the Lord that you can do? It's a heart that has the same appetites as Jesus. But just as the physical body has to accept the heart, so do we have to fully accept the heart. And not all of us have. See, there's two ways that we've done this. Number one, we've never fully given our heart to the Lord complete. Also, just like those heart transplants, as they get a new heart, do they still have to take care of that new heart? Right? That new heart still needs to be taken care of. It needs to be worked out. It needs to be oiled. Don't oil your heart, figuratively, okay? It needs to be oiled. It needs to be taken care of. You can't just eat Big Macs all day long. You have to take care of your heart. I have nothing against Big Macs, by the way. You have to take care of your heart. And just like some of that, some of us have fully given our heart to the Lord and have fully taken on the transplanted heart of the Lord, but we haven't taken care of our heart in the way that we should. And our heart has started showing some of the signs of plaque that we had before. At one point, we would literally, we would absolutely say that we love the things of the Lord more than anything in our life. But if we were to be real with our life now, 15, 20 years later, We've got plaque built up in our life. And maybe we don't love the things of the Lord to the same degree that we loved them before. And maybe the lost, they've, maybe we've, we don't have much feeling for them anymore. We hope other people will take care of it. We have to take care of our hearts. Our hearts can, can uh, start to fail us. These are people, maybe this is you, you look around and and you think, you say to yourself, why do others seem to have an easier time following God than I do? You ever had that thought? You know, why do I keep falling to the same sin over and over and over again? Why can't I escape brokenness, sadness, and this deep fear? Why is depression and anxiety always with me? You know, maybe the answer to this question is because you've allowed too much plaque, the world's plaque, to fill those areas of your life. Well, God gives us a remedy to this. He gives us a remedy to these feelings that we have. And it's in Ezekiel eleven nineteen, And then verse 20 is the result. If you follow the doctor's orders, verse 20 is what you get. You guys want to read this again? Ezekiel eleven nineteen and verse 20 says this, and I will give them, this is the prescription. This is what we need to do. And I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and I will give them a heart of flesh. This is the remedy. This is how we grow in these things. If we allow God to fully take every place of our heart. Verse 20 that they, or so that, or in order to, or for this purpose, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them, and they will be my people, and I shall be their God. You only get 
verse 20, if you follow the prescription of verse 19. Do you guys get that? I wanna tell you, I wanna show two promises. I wanna look at this scripture and kind of pull it apart. These are two promises a fully transplanted heart receives. Two promises for a heart that has not allowed the plaque of the world to gum it up. The first promise is this, is that uh, we get the freedom to walk in God's statutes and ordinances. Now, what are God's statutes and ordinances? It's his laws. It's the way he's called us to live. We get to walk in an obedience that we cannot walk in outside of having the fully transplanted heart. Jim tells a story, Jim Dealing, Pastor Jim, um, he tells a story about when he was 15 years old, when him and his friend Eric, they were together. Now they weren't serving God. God was not first and foremost in their life at all. And they cussed all the time. And they were together and two of their other friends came to talk to them. But these guys were like cuss 2.0ers. And when they came up, it was just every other word. And when those two left, Jim says to Eric, man, they sure cuss a lot. They probably said they bleep and cuss a lot because he was a cusser too. He says, it's so ugly, isn't it? And, and his friend Eric's like, yeah, it really is ugly. Why do we do that? They saw how ugly it was. And so Eric says, Jim, I'll tell you what. Let's make a pack. Let's stop cussing right now. So they decided that if, when each one of them cussed, they had to give the other guy a dollar. And that's where they both became millionaires. <laughs> Jim says, all we did all day was pass this dollar back and forth a million different times. He says, it bothered me so bad that I couldn't stop cussing. At 15 years old, it bothered him that he did not have control to stop something. It, it, it affected him. He realized, no matter how hard I try, I just can't stop doing this thing. Now, fast forward to the day that he gave his life to the Lord. He was at a, at a Bible study. He gives his life to the Lord. And that next day, he's at work or wherever he was, and he cussed just because that's what he did. And he said that as it came out of his mouth, this horrible taste was in his mouth. And his ears, he couldn't believe what he said. And he realized in that moment, hey, wait a second, what am I doing? I can't cuss anymore. But because he had experienced the fully transplanted heart, he was able to follow the laws of God in a way that he couldn't before. And so when he said, I'm not gonna do this anymore, he quit cussing. That was his last cuss word. I mean, until he had kids, right? Come on. <laughs> that was his last cuss word. God helped him move all the way through that. It didn't, it didn't matter anymore what he couldn't do because it was about the fully transplanted heart unleashing him to obey God in a way that he could never before. That's what God does. That's what happens with a holy transplanted heart. You get the ability to do what you couldn't do before. Listen, I, Monday, my, my um, two oldest kids were moving into the same room. They were gonna share a room. And, and Monday, we had to get bunk beds. And my wife wanted me to buy Ikea. And I was like, get behind me, you know who. I don't buy Ikea. It'd take me just as long to build an Ikea bed than it would to be to Home Depot and get lumber and build a bed, right? <laughs> so I said, no, 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 we're gonna build a bed. And, um, and that's the problem. I always over-engineer everything, you guys. We've got lights like built into their bed and now they stay up all night and don't go to bed when I tell them to. It's not working well. I'm gonna figure that out. But 
I had my kids and, and we decided, okay, this is gonna be, we're gonna build this bunk bed set together. And you guys are gonna learn how to, how to build and use your hands. I want them to be handy as they grow up. I think it's a great trait. And so I've got a garage, a shop. We turned my garage into a shop and everything is put exactly where it should be. I mean, I mean like, you know, like in a kitchen, you got the triangle. You guys know this when you build a kitchen? You need to have the sink right here, the, the um, fridge right here, and the oven right here. It says triangle for quick and fast and efficiency. That's my garage. That's my shop. I've got all of the right tools in all of the right places for quick for, or for speed and for accuracy. So as we bring in all this lumber and I'm teaching my kids how to build these bunk beds, I'm telling them, okay, use the, use the um, tape measure, measure it to this, make the line, make the cut, do this again. They were saying how much fun they were having. And part of the reason they were having a lot of fun is because I had all of the tools set for ease. You know, a chop saw is a great thing, right? It's a quick, fast, accurate cuts. And they weren't messing up on any of these cuts. And they were saying, we're having so much fun. We love working, working and doing these things because we had the right tools. What if we got rid of the right tools? What if we got rid of my chop saw, got rid of my table saw and all my drills? Some of you guys had to do this as a kid. This is horrible. What would happen? My kids would be begging me to quit. I would just throw all the wood away and go buy Ikea, right? This would be a horrible experience. The reason it works is because we have the right tools. It's the same thing in your life. You need to use the right tools. And the right tool is God's heart fully invested inside of you. Do you understand that? It's God's heart fully transplanted. It is getting rid of all of the things inside of your life that is against him. Repent of it, get rid of it, and fully take on the heart transplant of God. Around every corner is always a temptation, but when you have God's heart inside of you, those temptations don't have a lot of ground to stand on. Yeah. Yeah, God's good. The second thing, that I want to talk about from that same scripture. It says, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them, then they will be my people and I shall be their God. Here's the second point. We will be his people and he will be our God. The reward of a new heart is being in tune with God and enjoying fellowship with him. Do you get that? It's in being in tune with him. When you get a new heart, you don't just have the ability to say no to the bad things. You are in tune with him. You have fellowship with him and something starts to change inside of you. Before you wanted the things of the flesh, but as you fully transplant your heart, you start wanting righteous things instead. Psalms 37, four says, delight yourself in the Lord. Take, your, take in the Lord, delight in him. Let him hit every room of your heart and your life. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart because your desires start to line up with his desires. You start wanting good things. You know, Dave, you change inside righteousness. You start becoming in tune with God. Dave says that before he was a Christian, he believed that abortion was right, that a woman should be able to choose. But when he gave his life to the Lord, he woke up the next morning and he just knew it was wrong. He fully let the Lord move into his life and he knew in that moment because he started becoming in tune with God, in fellowship with God. He started loving righteous and the line moved away. Jim Dealey, I'm gonna pick on him again. 
He cusses. He also smokes weed. Let me tell you. <laughs> he tells it's, it's near the same time. It's when he goes to that Bible study, the accepted Christ. He was uh, with his buddy, Mikey, uh, before the Bible study, and he gives Mikey money because they were going to share some weed. So Mikey goes off to get some weed. He reluctantly goes to this Bible study. Now, God had plans at that Bible study for Jim Dealing. At that Bible study, Jim saw himself. He realized his sin. He gave his life fully over to the Lord. And in that moment, after he did that, he thought, oh, no, I'm supposed to go smoke weed. But he knew he was started to be in tune with God. He knew that this was wrong. He knew he should not do that. And you want to know what hit Jim's first prayer, I kid you not, the first prayer of his life was, Lord, help Mikey forget that I'm supposed to share that weed with him because I'm not strong enough not to, right? The first thought he had was that he, he was in tune with God and he knew, I am not supposed to do that. And, and the, the interesting thing is that God actually did that very thing. Mikey forgot that he was supposed to share. Mikey's selfish, isn't he? How important is the condition of our heart? I'll tell you what. Our heart is really important to God. He says in 2 Chronicles 6.19, you know what? I want the band to come up. We're gonna do some more worship. We're gonna leave some time in the end of this thing. How important is the condition of our heart? 2 Chronicles 6.19, Chronicles 6, it's a life verse. For the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth. What are they looking for? How many of you guys want to garner the eyes of the Lord in your life? They're good eyes. They come with a lot of help and a lot of support. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth for those, here it is, whose hearts are completely his, that he may give them his strong support. Does God care about the heart? Absolutely he does. Do you want to garner the full support of the king in your life? Then I think that what we need to do today is we need to evaluate our, our hearts before him. Let's stand up right now. We need to evaluate where is our heart before him. God, God is in this room and he has been incredibly in this room in every single service we've had this weekend. And I believe that God wants to revive some hearts, that God wants to set some hearts on fire, that God wants to do some full transplants, and that God wants to get rid of the plaque that is in some of our hearts. You know, I'm reminded of the parable of the soils. I'm not going to read them. I just want to remind you, it's, a, it's about a sower who sowed seeds, and, and the, the seeds, the parable, the seed is the word of God and, and he sowed it in good soil and it brought up great fruit. And, he sold, and then he sowed it into thorny soil. And as the, the, the saplings were starting to grow, the weeds and the thistles covered him and choked him out. And it says that he sowed it into rocky soil. 
where they grew and died because there was no depth to their roots. And lastly, he sowed it onto the path, onto the road where, where no, no, no seed could take place. Now, the seed is the word of God in this parable. And the soil, the only thing that was different in all these stories was the soil. The soil is the human heart. You know, the good soil, it's a life that God can move through, that garners the very eyes of God on us. It's what God can do with the life. He can bring fruit and joy and hope and wholeness out of this life. It's what he desires for all of us. But yeah, because, but not all of us have taken our heart all that way. You know, some of us, We've kept things hidden. We've kept things in our life that we weren't gonna let go. It's like the people that, have, that, that, that the seed falls on the, um, the soil that has thorns and thistles in it. Those are the things that choke out what God wants to do in our life. It's not saying that this person is not a Christian, that's not the point here, but that they have other things inside their life that are choking out the fullness of what God wants to do. Riches and pleasures, entertainment, fun is more important in this life. They'd rather go to the desert than to church. You guys know what I'm talking about. God wants to help that person get the plaque out of their life, the thorns out of their soil so that they can live in good soil and grow forth great fruit in their life and for the kingdom of God. Then there's the other one, the rocky soil. And the point on that one is that they have no depth. It's the, the, the word of the Lord comes into their life, but there's no depth in which the roots can take place. So they're constantly frayed and frazzled and anxiety and depression and fear because the roots in their life have not gone deep. God wants to take those rocks out of your life and he wants to give you good soil if you're willing to get the plaque out of your heart and live fully for him. And lastly, it's the people whose who, the, 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 the seed goes on the rocky, I'm sorry, on the path and no seed can penetrate the path. This is the heart that has not given its life to the Lord. It is in cardiac arrest. It has no spiritual heartbeat at all. These are my favorite people because let me tell you, if you've never given your life to the Lord, I wanna let you know right now, you've got the most to win. You've got the most to win. Giving your life to Jesus fully and utterly will give you what you were made for, to live in fellowship and in tune with him as your savior. Now, words, here's the deal. We are going to worship a song and we're gonna come up afterwards. Let's worship God right now. But in a second, I'm gonna give us a chance to respond to what God is doing. And as we worship him, I want you to ask him in your heart, do I have plaque? What soil am I really like? And what do you want to do with my heart this morning? Let's go ahead and worship.